right, so is it hot in here? I'm like sweating like crazy. Like maybe it's because I'm wearing pants. It's summer. Doggone. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna jump into the question today. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, or maybe the first time in uh, a few weeks, we've been um, in a series for the last couple weeks titled "Can I Ask That." Um, and in this series, we are trying to answer your questions. These are questions that you have submitted either on paper by uh, Uncle Dayton back there. Wave your hand um, on paper or via Instagram. You can DM us questions. But um, you've submitted these questions, and we want to respond to these in a way that reflects the character of God, but most importantly is rooted in Scripture. Our goal is not just to answer this question and simply move on and be done with it. But our, our hope is, is that um, our response to these questions would help you process the character of God, what Scripture says, and help you come to a conclusion. And I think as we answer these questions, it helps us become more distinctly Christian in our present times. And last week we addressed a student-submitted question of, is premarital sex a sin? And so if you are interested in hearing our perspective on that, um, you can go to our Bethel Youth Podcast, which we finally launched it. There's only one thing on it. We're going to be posting our sermons there from now on. It is on Spotify. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, you can go to the link in our bio, uh, tap um, podcast, and it'll take you to Spotify. Or you can go to Spotify and search Bethel YTH, and this logo will pop up. Um, this is the podcast that you want to... Our logo is our logo there. Uh, that one right there. So when you type in Bethel YTH, this is the logo that's going to pop up, and this is what you're going to want to subscribe to. Um, this is where we're going to be posting our sermon audio, but also when we um, address different topics and we talk about different things and we record episodes, this is also where it is going to be posted. We're working on getting it on Google and Apple as well, but that takes them a few different weeks to... Um, approve that. It's also in our Bible app notes. Um, so the, tonight, the question that we are going to work through is, is it a sin to use profanity? So this is the question. I don't know who submitted this question. Maybe you're sitting in this room, but we are answering your question. First of all, I think this is a fantastic question. I think it's something that we need to be thinking about as people who claim to follow the way of Jesus. And when you hear the word profanity or cussing or cursing or swear words, I don't know what you think of, but there are certain words in the English language that have been deemed as swear words, as profanity or, or cuss words or cursing. Those certain words play a factor into the rating of a specific movie or a TV show. Um, you can see on Spotify, there might be this red little E next to an album. You might see that, that same E next to maybe a podcast. And what that's telling you is, um, well, in music, it can mean a bunch of different things. But typically, explicit means that there, there, are, there are words in there that would fall under our American definition of profanity. And... Um, in, in our culture, there's certain words. In other cultures, there's different words. 
Um, maybe in your family there are some words that are off-limits, some swear words that are off-limits, and some that aren't. Maybe some families, uh, or maybe it's the parents can say whatever they want, and you as the child, you can't say any of it. And they say, don't do as I say, do what I say, or whatever the phrase technically is. Um, or maybe your family has gone to the lengths of there's, there's other words um, that they have determined are off-limits. But when we think about profanity, I think there's some valid questions that we need to ask um, in order to frame our views on the topic of whether or not it is okay or helpful for a Christian to use these words. These questions include, is what we see as profanity tied to a certain culture? Like, what if uh, certain words are profanity in the U.S. but not in other parts of the world? Another question is, does the Bible reference what we would call profanity or what we would call swearing or curse words? Spoiler alert, the answer is no. The Bible does not reference what we would consider cuss words or profanity. What the Bible does reference very clearly, however, is how our speech affects others. Does our speech build others up? Does it encourage? Is our speech kind? Is our speech loving? These are the things that Scripture speaks very clearly on, and I think we'll all be a little shocked on how our words are viewed in the eyes of God. Like I said, the Bible doesn't reference the F word or anything else like that. First of all, the Bible was not written in English. Um, second of all, the Bible was, wasn't written in the last hundred years in Western culture. Um, the Bible was written um, a thousands of years ago um, in uh, the Near East and Asia Minor and all these different regions. So they, they might have some words that could be close or strong language that could be deemed in their culture as, you know, maybe harsh or brash. But with that being said, let's look at a passage, at one passage in the Bible that references our speech and what it should do, as well as what the effects of our speech are. So we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32. Um, this specific portion of text follows Paul's teaching about the new way of life that these Jews ought to live since claiming to follow the way of Jesus. Madison is going to come up here, and she is going to read our text. Would you stand with us as we read Ephesians chapter 4? Thank you. Verses 25 through 32. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let anyone unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Madison. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. To start off, I, want, I just want to give you, right off the bat, the big idea of this text. It's this, the words coming out of a Christian should be helpful in building others up and beneficial for those listening. 
I think as, as we read this text and we think about um, the heart that, that Paul is writing these things to the church in Ephesus, I think this is what we can come to. The words that you speak as a Christian, as a follower of the way of Jesus, should be helpful in building others up and beneficial for those listening. So Paul is teaching this group of Jewish Christians, that when they experience this emotion of anger, I don't know if you, you caught this, he was talking about anger and what happens when you feel this emotion, they, they can choose what their action will be. And depending on the action, it will either honor God or it will not honor God. So the general summary of what Paul uh, was said was, do not allow your anger to prompt sinful actions. Do not stay angry. Do not dwell on your anger. Do not allow the anger we feel to produce bitterness towards people. Make some sort of effort to bring resolution or make positive progress in the conflict. And you might be sitting here and you have a sibling at home. How many, just by a show of hands, how many of you guys have siblings? Whether they're older or younger. Okay. You have your work cut out for you if you have a sibling. I do. There are few people in your life that will push you to the edge like your siblings will. They know how you tick. They know what frustrates you. And for some reason, there's this deep desire in siblings to push those buttons. We know what makes you mad. So we're like, ooh, yeah, let's do it. Exactly, Christian. Let's, let's go for it. This is going to be awesome to watch them be really, really angry. Um, I don't know why that is. It's just, I think it's just our sinful nature. <laughs> um, but we love to do that to our siblings. I think it's in your DNA. But all joking aside... When this anger, when these feelings, when these emotions are not dealt with, Paul says that we give the devil a foothold. And this foothold produces sinful actions that are instigated by anger. Verse 31, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And before Paul addresses anger, rage, bitterness, slander, he references unwholesome talk. He says the things that come out of your mouth should only be, verse 29, helpful for building others up according to their what? According to their needs. That it may be benefit those who listen. So we have to ask the question, what is unwholesome talk? Unwholesome talk could mean a plethora of different things. But the Greek word that is translated unwholesome means rotten, useless, and unprofitable. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus uses this same Greek word that was translated kind of as, as rotten, and he's, he's talking about rotten fruit. Um, it's also used in Matthew 13 to reference um, rotten fish. And kind of in this, in this uh, vein, pastor and uh, theologian John Piper says this. He says, such rotten speech like rotten fruit and rotten fish will not nourish anyone. It contaminates. It will make you sick. It smells bad and creates an unpleasant atmosphere for anyone who gets near it. So Paul tells us to get rid of it like rotten fruit or fish. And the way that Paul uses the word unwholesome doesn't reference necessarily profanity, but as whether or not your words are being used to, verse 29, build others up according to their, to their needs and benefit those 
who listen. So here's a question that we need to ask ourselves, though. In this setting, in this culture, with this demographic, is using profanity going to be seen as crude or offensive? If so, is it wise to use that specific language if I'm wanting to build people up with my speech? And here's a major caveat. You might have heard what we are just talking about here and say, well, Taylor says that profanity is fine and I can say whatever I want and you just go home and ride home. What did you guys talk about in youth group? Dude, cussing's great and we should all do it. That's what, that's what Pastor Taylor said. That's what, he, that's what my small group leader said. It's totally fine. I don't want to get those emails from your parents telling you that's what I said because that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> here's, the, here's the caveat. I realize this is a little bit of extreme, um, but I think you get the point. I don't think the question should be, how much can I get away with? This is kind of, the, kind of the, one of the questions we asked last week. But instead, does this build others up and more importantly, honor Christ? In that, same, in that same vein, Christians can become so dead set on never cussing and avoiding any person or medium that uses profanity that we miss the point of Jesus's, James, Peter, and Paul's teaching about speech. We can be so dead, dead set on fleeing any form of profanity that we have the mindset of the Pharisees. And who were the Pharisees? The Pharisees were Jewish religious leaders who studied and knew the Hebrew Scriptures in and out, and they instructed the Jewish people in how to follow God. Unfortunately, the power and the authority that the, the Pharisees had, it got to their heads and they added to the law and the scriptures in order to fulfill their own personal opinions, to fulfill their own personal vendettas. They made their personal opinions not rooted, that weren't rooted in scripture, to have the same weight and authority as scripture. And if we aren't careful, we too can place the weight of our personal opinion on other people as if it is Scripture. And Christians love to pride themselves on the fact that they don't swear, they don't use say swear words, they don't listen to music or watch movies that have swear words, but still continue to say hurtful things to people and about people. In an article with Relevant Magazine, Tyler Edwards said this. He says, while we should be careful with what we say, simply cleaning up our words doesn't clean up our hearts. I think this is something that we have experienced firsthand in this past year. Christians have used the Bible, mostly out of context, to support their certain viewpoint and demean people who don't agree with them. They've hurled insults, Name-calling, they've used what Paul would describe as unwholesome talk towards people and sometimes people who are even Christians themselves. Unwholesome talk is it's, it's empty, it's meaningless, and does not build one another up. Gossip is unwholesome. Trading insult for insult is unwholesome. Destructive criticism is unwholesome. Threats and revenge are unwholesome. Deception, lies, and manipulative speech are unwholesome. Dirty and coarse jokes are unwholesome. You can see that there is a bigger problem than profanity at work in the lives of Christians. These are areas that we need to be aware of, and these are areas that we need to repent of. 
Tyler Edwards would go on to say in that same article, I'm not suggesting Christians walk around cursing like sailors. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think God cares less about the words we use than he does about the heart we have in using them. And I want to conclude this sermon by reading Romans 14, 1 through 12. It says this, Accept the one who, whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith, uh, faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The, only, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Verse 4, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and give thanks to God. Verse 7, you guys still with me? For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. I want to conclude with this. It's okay to have a conviction not to use or to use profanity. We have to be careful not to use our personal convictions as a launching point for judgment of those who don't share our same conviction. On the flip side, we have to be willing to wrestle with the tension of, is this actually helpful in helping lost people find Jesus? I think if we were to boil down your effectiveness as a Christian in reaching lost people, I don't think the tipping point would be whether or not you use profanity or not. If we were being honest, if I had a dollar for every time someone told me, yeah, but when I say this or when I do this or when I do this, man, I'm just being relatable. I'm just relating to them, which that might be true, but at the same time, is that actually the one thing that's making you effective in reaching people for Jesus. Before we go into our small groups, let's remind ourselves of the big idea of Ephesians 4. The words coming out of a Christian should be helpful in building others up and beneficial for those listening. I did my best not to answer the question with my own personal opinion. I did my best just to uh, look at Scripture and share with you what Scripture teaches and what the, what the Bible teaches. And what we're going to do in our small groups is we're going to ask a couple questions. 
And we're going to talk a little bit more practically, like what does this look like for you personally as a Christian? And so uh, we're going to jump into our small groups right now. Uh, high school is on this side of the room. Middle school is on this side of the room. Uh, guys are in the back. Girls are in the front. Um, your small group leader will be the one uh, to release you uh, and dismiss you.